It's it's that time of the year. Everyone's favorite time of the year? Yeah. Um when a new eternal set comes out. Uh-huh. 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 No, it is it's the holiday season. I feel like I should sing some like holiday jingle, but uh, we don't need to do that. Okay. Um so we puzzled you and I about like we knew we wanted to do a holiday episode, but um we kind of puzzled back and forth on this for a little while. Um until you landed on a perfectly devilish idea that I don't think we should reveal just yet, but um, maybe let's set the scene a little bit. Um, so in this conversation, I was thinking, you know, we did a holiday special in the past, which I thought was, you know, strong and well-received. And we talked a lot about different holiday specials we liked and holiday episodes of things. And I actually think that they're kind of back on the rise Mm-hmm. Uh, I recently started watching um, the Sabrina show on Netflix, and then it was announced they're going to have like a Christmas special. Um, I haven't finished yet, so I feel like I can't watch it that far. Uh, but uh, weird show, by the way, weird show. Uh, but I feel like this idea of, especially I think cause, like Doctor Who has like made it a staple mm-hmm. that like having a holiday special is like a yearly holiday special is like a thing you should do. Mm-hmm. And also, um, I feel like that's one thing that like, you know, seasonal comedies have not forgotten is having maybe not every season, like every holiday having a specific episode. Like, I feel like uh, as recently Shay is rewatching The Office and as someone who's never really watched The Office before, um, but only catching like, you know, walking through the house, doing dishes while she's watching something else, you know, catching over the shoulder or sitting on the couch for a little bit, watching an episode or two. I feel like the Christmas special on The Office was like a big deal. Hmm. Uh, like. The Christmas party in the office was always like a big kind of brouhaha. Although, side note real quick. You're, you've watched The Office, correct? Oh, yeah. Um, this might be an unpopular opinion, but am I the only person who thinks The Office is way better after Steve Carell left? Um, you might be okay. the only person. Because uh, whenever I watch The Office and he's in it, I'm like, this show is grating and terrible and boring and he's terrible and his character is terrible and I hate it all. And then when he's gone, I'm like, oh, this show is just like almost like Parks and Rec. (laughs) So there's a period of The Office, maybe starting around season four or five, where Michael becomes much more of a caricature. And it kind of like the jerk ass Homer period of The Simpsons, where he's not even relatable as a human being. Mm -hmm. He becomes this kind of. And a lot of the characters, except Jim and Pam, become these outlandish caricatures kind of midway through the show. And and the, that fever kind of breaks when they start saying goodbye to Michael. Mm-hmm. They kind of, the show kind of regains its footing. It becomes a little bit more naturalistic for a while. And then things get a little cartoonish again. And then they get very cartoonish where Dwight becomes a comic book supervillain. <laughs> um, and then there's the final season where things get really dark and dumb. Um, but I, yeah, I, is I, that I, season nine? Is that season nine? I don't know. It's a, okay. the, the, but, but there is a period in there where they really regain their footing. And part of that is because in the last couple of seasons, a lot of the original writers come back if I'm remembering this correctly. So what you might be comparing there is the good post-Michael seasons to the bad Michael seasons. You might be right. You might be right. 
Uh, that's not on topic, but I was just curious because I feel like this, like the Christmas party episode became sort of like a thing. I also think of other comedies like, um, new girl, their Thanksgiving episode is always like something that, you know, was like every year was like, what's going to be the Thanksgiving episode this year or, you know, other TV series might have like a Halloween special or whatever. And I was thinking a lot about like the sort of rebirth of a holiday special because I think for a while it was a little bit of like a cheesy faux pas, you know, just like, eh, that's like, an, it's a cash grab, right? When you have a 23 episode season, then you do a holiday special because, well, what else are you going to do, right? You got 23 episodes to fill. Just pick a holiday and go for it. But I feel like now in the age of, you know, premiere TV, that doing a separate, almost like, almost like a comic book annual where it's just like, this is kind of separate from the reoccurring storyline. It's just a little, you know, adventure for the holidays. It makes a little more sense. Yeah. And I think it's, it's important to distinguish between a Christmas episode of a show and a Christmas special. Ooh. Yeah. Like a Christmas episode or a holiday episode. Like Bob's Burgers does a Thanksgiving episode every year and usually a Christmas episode. But it's just your with the Belcher family and you're seeing them, this is their Thanksgiving this year. Um, it, but it, it's just a part of the normal continuity of the show. 30 Rock, The Office, these are examples where there's like a Christmas episode, but would you call it a, but it's not really a special episode. Like when I'm thinking about a Christmas special, I'm really thinking about things like, like you said, like comic book annual, like it's kind of detached from the regular thing. It doesn't, it's assumed to maybe not be canon or part of the ev circle of events. And I'm really thinking of when I think of a Christmas special, I'm thinking of a Christmas special in the old style of like a big stupid variety show that mm -hmm. used to be popular on American TV where various stars come in and sing shitty Christmas songs at each other. And there's usually some kind of silly framing device to kind of tie it all together. But it's really just an excuse to bring a bunch of guest stars on a show and kind of have a party on television. Oh, so like most like, you know, primetime television shows aimed at like our moms, right? Like The Voice or America's Got, they always have some guest star and they do something that's yeah yeah well or like or the other hand is like The Muppet Show but yes for holidays yeah no yes. and, or like they tried to revive that uh, recently with I mean we we all know the best holiday special was Michael Bolton's Valentine special but you know they tried to do like what was like the 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 uh, Muppets and Lady Gaga was like what mm -hmm. a year or two ago and Netflix's uh, Murray Christmas the Bill Murray one which is mm. actually kind of a decent update of that formula. Um, but thinking about that, thinking about the kind of the big musical variety Christmas special, um, there's one that was once thought lost to time, consumed by the Sarlacc pit of history. But um, you jokingly brought this up when we were kind of brainstorming for this. Um because I don't think either one of us thought it was actually possible to watch this thing. But it turns out it is possible, and we're going to watch it. Yeah, and I will say that I, I knew it was possible because I actually know people who have, like, physical copies of this. If, huh. So if we really need to track it down, we could find it. Um, a particular Matt of the Nisley variety of uh, 
prominent bands features uh he he has watched this i think multiple times a good friend of ours and has always encouraged me and i think this this has become sort of like a nerd rite of passage i feel like every even tangentially uh genre nerd related um you know blog or podcast has tackled this but you know maybe we'll have a new perspective (laughs) Well, so, of course, what we're talking about is the Star Wars holiday special uh, originally shown on television and only once, only once, (laughs) only once, November 17th, 1978. So um, this is the... This is a year following um, A New Hope, which came out in uh, uh, the summer of 1977. So about a year and a half after that movie came out. They Deep put, in production of uh, Empire Strikes Back at this point, I'm sure. Um, good or question. Maybe pre-production of Empire. I mean, movie cycles weren't quite as long. I don't know. Were they longer or not as long? I don't actually um, know. This is a question for Wikipedia. and uh, okay. Well, I'll talk for a little bit. So I'm going to talk <laughs> a little bit about – you look it up. I'll, I'll – I'll, uh, so my my impression of the holiday special, I'm surprised that actually as a mega Star Wars nerd, I've never actually watched this because I've watched both of the Ewok movies. Um, I haven't ever actually watched the droids cartoon movies, but I actually have fond memories of the Ewok live action movies as being like really fucking weird, but like kind of cool in their own way. Um, although making the Ewoks speak uh, English or uh, basic, as they call it in, uh, you know, the Star Wars universe seemed a little odd. But anyway, um, I like the the bad guys were good in those. But I never watched this. It's been referenced tangentially in that the fact that they don't celebrate Christmas, which, hey, to Star Wars credit, uh, Star Wars holiday special. I mean, a lot of like, you know, uh, conservatives in America be like, oh my God, they're attacking Christmas. They're killing Christmas. The war against Christmas. Because they're going to celebrate Wookiee Life Day. <laughs> uh, uh, I remember I remember Wookiee Life Day being a, a very uh, happy occurrence in Star Wars Galaxies, the uh, Star Wars massive multiplayer online RPG I played a lot of when I was in high school. That was always a fun day, which happened to coincide with Christmas. But, you know, <laughs> Uh, so, um, so the Star Wars uh, holiday special, nineteenth November of nineteen seventy eight. Um, um, at this point, they uh, they should have um, they should be on their uh, first or second draft of uh, Empire. Mm, okay, so a little um, earlier in production than I would have thought of at that point. But Empire didn't premiere until nineteen eighty. Correct. Yeah. So um, two years is yeah. So anyway, so it's nineteen seventy eight. This thing airs once. Um, it gets such bad reviews. It never airs again. And according to legend, George Lucas basically locks it away. And for a while, people even thought it was destroyed, um, that he was so embarrassed by this thing. Um, now, later on, it turns out it wasn't destroyed because they actually um, salvaged parts of it to include as a bonus feature. Um and, you know, some uh, one of the DVD re-releases, the little animated bit that apparently is the first appearance of Boba Fett. That's um, true. Uh, but it's never been aired. The only way to watch this thing was to, you know, because some people in 1978 had the, you know, foresight to tape it from the TV 
And then of that pretty narrow set of people who taped it, um, eventually copies of copies of those tapes got out. Um, but pre-internet, we're talking about, you know, um, physically, you know, dubbing one VHS onto another VHS, which um, creates Every time you do that, things look a lot worse. You have a thing called generation <laughs> loss. I'm explaining this from, you know, for kids. Uh, so Wait, what's a VHS? Also, can we go to a sec? People were like recording stuff off TV in 1978. So That's insane. I did a little bit of research here. Okay. Now, in order to record this thing off of the airwaves on your VCR, um, you had to have a VHS uh, VC, VCR in 1978. Uh, at this point, we were still in the format wars between VHS and Betamax, Ooh. but we know it was VHS because uh, the special, including commercials, is two hours long. And VHS oh, was, the, <laughs> was the only format um, capable of recording two hours on a single tape. So we know it was VHS. What I can also tell you is that um, a VCR in 1978... Um, very new technology. The f- first VHS VCR that was commercially available in the U S was available in like hit stores in like nine, late 1977. Wow. So the people who recorded this had only had a VCR for about a year and in today's dollars adjusted for inflation, a VCR would cost you $4,600. Oh my God. I would have bet uh, like 800 bucks or something. Yeah, no, no, like no. That. This is a <laughs> incredibly expensive piece of hardware back then. And tapes, a two-hour tape, because you had to buy a special tape that could record two uh-huh. hours. A, a, a regular tape would cost upwards of $70 just for a blank tape. In today's money. So a double length tape, I don't know, double that or maybe not double, but we're going to cost 100 bucks. So the number of people who could even, who even had the equipment in their home to tape this thing in 1978 is vanishingly small. And then those people who actually saw this stupid thing coming up in their TV guide managed to program the VCR correctly to make it happen. <laughs> um you know, so there's only so many of these tapes and they're getting copied and copied. Um, so by the time things actually start to get digitized and uploaded to file sharing sites in the early 2000s, we're talking about maybe a sixth generation copy of these things. So massively degraded in terms of video and audio quality. But at this point now, it's possible to see it and it's no longer degraded every time a a new person wants their own copy, which is great. So, so there's not a like pristine copy anywhere in existence that you know of? I'm sure if I did a little bit more research, there probably is somewhere out there a digitized version that is a only a second or third generation copy, um, meaning it is so a second generation copy is a copy of a copy. A third generation is a copy of a copy of a copy and mm-hmm. so on. Um, so it's just every time you do it, the picture gets worse, the sound gets worse mm-hmm. and so on. Um, but interestingly enough, you can like track down the different versions based on 
um, what like local network affiliate it was broadcast to. Ah, yeah, yeah. Because you can tell by like what commercials run during it. So there's probably a whole world out here for Star Wars Christmas special collectors who are trying to hunt down that first generation copy or second generation copy. But the version that's on YouTube today that we're going to watch, that we're going to link in the show notes so you can, you the listener, can subject yourself to this masochism um, is probably, I would, you know, who knows how how many generations old it is. Somewhere between three and nine. We'll just assume, <laughs> assume that at this point. Um, but all right. Wow. That, uh, well, thank you for the history on that. I, you know, I, I know the canon history of this, but I didn't know like the real world history of this. So, so as the, as the dead canon expert, how did this fit into Star Wars lore? All right. So I won't say this was a actively recognized piece of Star Wars, old EU, uh, old expanded universe, uh, canon, but I will say there was pieces that were taken, uh, a, the fact that this was the first introduction that you – so this is also part of what I want to talk about was like my impression and my understanding of this, uh, my for initial thoughts of this going into this is that this is the first time that it's introduced that Chewbacca had a life prior to being Han's sidekick uh, and that he had a wife and child <laughs> being um, – ooh, I don't remember either of their names. Uh, uh, the Malabaka, something like that. Um, and and then, the kid uh, was named Lumpy. Lumpy, that's right. I always get confused because he had a he had a he had a nephew that became a Jedi and named, named Lobaka. And actually, here we go. Here we go. Lowy, Lowy was was fucking. <laughs> oh, he was awesome. He died unfortunately, but um, because at some point Lucas said there can be no more Wookiee Jedi. Like it was like a diktat that just came out. I was like, why? I don't know. It was awesome because it was like anyway. But um, <laughs> I knew I, we'd go down a go down one of these well, rabbit holes. Okay. Uh, it was also the like so that this is the introduction that like. Chewbacca has a life outside just being like a talking rug that, you know, Han orders around and the uh, his his own like agency and existence is in constant question of what we're supposed to think he is. Is he a slave? Is he a sidekick? Is he a animal? We don't really know. Um, but this I think this is like he has a whole thing. Now, the context of which that is explained, I'm very interested in because that I'm not aware of. I don't actually know if they go to their home planet. I assume they do. Uh, the home planet of Wookiees, um, both in old and new canon, is Kashyyyk. Um, I'm not sure if that's represented here. As you said, it's also the first introduction of Boba Fett um, using some sort of weird trident weapon, riding in lizard creature, which is done in animated form. Um, that's why I always assumed it was like midst production of Empire Strikes Back, since you know they kind of designed this character and then tested it and then put it in this, but I guess it's a bad theory because if they tested it, they probably wanted to distance themselves from anything related to this movie. So mm-hmm. it probably was just some sort of weird, like some artist who worked on both projects and just was like, I really like this character and I'm going to put him in both things. And no one probably knew any of the wiser. Uh, Wookiee Life Day was, like I said, never referenced in the books that I'm aware of, but was definitely referenced in video games. It's like, this is the day you guys get a gift because we can't say Christmas. Yay. <laughs> Uh, that was the thing. Um, I know that it has a very, so that's like the, the canon perspective, although it does make you question sort of like, I'm curious also, it was like, I know that, I don't know if the Wookiee Life Dead has mentioned this. I'm curious about too, cause that I'm always curious. There's always these things in, in, you know, big canons of like, uh, where certain 
ideas or stories began. Like the fact that, I mean, if, all right, so Greg, if you would, if you would have been asked, you know, a couple years ago, why is Chewbacca with Han Solo? What would you have said? Um, I, you know, just based on like before all I knew everything else, like they're just like pals. Okay. A lot of people would say, oh, like he has a life debt to him. That's something you hear even, even among like non like EU, like Star Wars files, whatever you want to call them. And I'm always curious, like where that was that one of those things that just slightly escaped the canon, like the, the, the deep EU canon to make it into like established canon, just like Boba Fett surviving, like these things kind of like come out and become accepted by your generic fan. But I'm always curious, like where that idea developed of like, why is he with them in this life dead idea? Because they don't talk about it anywhere for a long time. And but it would seem so crucial to the character and also sort of like, well, if he has this family, why is he out like mucking around with these schmucks? Like, uh, I'm curious to see how that's handled. Um, I'm curious to see the transition between live action and cartoon, as that's something that seems confusing to me at this point, <laughs> <laughs> for lack of a better term. Um, I'm curious to see. I've heard that the acting by uh, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill is uh, questionable in this in this uh, weird holiday special. I'm also curious, like, why they would do this sort of thing. But I guess licensing and contracts are a thing. So uh, outside of that, I mean, I've heard I've also heard that um, that as far as my initial impressions of this goes before going into it, I've heard that you think it's bad, but it's way worse than you think. I've heard that from a lot of people. So uh, I'm nervous. So, Greg, what's your like thoughts, initial like impressions uh you know what do you think about this going into this i am tbh not looking forward to watching this movie (laughs) because i have heard that it is it is you know we always talk about like a movie being like it's bad in an interesting way like the room is bad in an interesting way um or movies that are like bad but fun this movie from what i hear is just the boring kind of bad um so and i i feel like i feel like if this movie was the more interesting kind of bad it would be easier to track down and you'd be seeing clips of it in you know callbacks on family guy and that sort of thing but the fact that it's 2018, and this thing still is kind of like, eh, you gotta find a sketchy YouTube stream. Like, if this thing was worth watching, I feel like it would be everywhere by now. And I also feel like at some point, Lucas and or Disney would have figured out they can make a couple bucks on it and would have put it out there, even just as a goof, you know, an Easter egg on, on you know, on some DVD somewhere. But yeah, uh, I do wonder how much to this day they sort of think of this thing as like brand damaging, right? Like, let's just like, if we completely ignore this and probably slap a bunch of like DMAs on YouTube videos and things that have it and like just like se- sequester this and squelch this, then like maybe it'll just go away. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the age of the internet, so they're idiots that think that. However, if it is that so unimpressive in any sort of direction that maybe they think like, it's not funny enough or interesting enough to make an impact. Maybe we can just ignore it until it disappears. Yeah, I, I really, I'm, I'm the entertainment value of this. I'm, I'm worried about because again, I think if this thing was at all enjoyable, you'd be, you know, it would be like, it would be like the room. Like people watch the room because it's 
weird and bad, but it's fun to watch. Mm-hmm. This does not have that. Nobody is really, with the exception of Matt Nisley, nobody's really telling their friends like, oh, you got to watch the Star Wars Christmas Christmas special. Um, however, there is part of me that is interested in the quaintness of this. Like, this is a weird and kind of like, there's something sweet about this idea and kind of quaint about it. Just like, we made this successful sci-fi movie. Let's let's do a holiday special. Why not? Um, with singing and dancing in Jefferson Starship for some reason. Is that happening in this? Yep. Oh, golly. I did not know that. <laughs> Uh, no, it is right. Like, and that's why I think that it's, that's why I think now is an interesting time to watch it because there does seem to be an initial, like some sort of revival of like an interest in a separate holiday special, uh, which like, as you defined earlier is different from a holiday episode. And I wonder, uh, if we're, if we're at the, I wonder if this is a 3d moment where it's like, we're going to revive this thing that no one cared about and then it'll die in a year or two. Longer than that, unfortunately, for 3D. Or if it's like, this is truly a time where we're going to revive this idea and it's going to take off and like make for another, you know, five years of like really weird, interesting holiday specials. There is a quaintness to it that I definitely admire of just like, and the quaintness of like the, the logistics of it, just like making you realize that like at that time, these actors were just nobodies and they were like, sure, another paycheck, I'll do it. Like, yeah. Cause now you think of like, Harrison Ford is just like, why would he ever do this? And it's like, well, back then, man, he was just like getting started. Like yeah. he didn't know any better. Like that's like, there's a certain, a different kind of quaintness to that as well. He wanted to, he wanted to stay on uh, George Lucas's good side because they were probably talking about Indiana Jones. And he's like, right. sounds like, sounds like fun. Um, yeah. I mean, I think will, will the Christmas special, the singing, dancing, goofy Christmas special come back? I think that, one of the things that killed it was cynical Gen Xers who demanded authenticity in everything. And there's nothing authentic or honest or, you know, artistically true about like an ABC Christmas special, you know, for the for the Gen Xers who were being born right around the time that the Star Wars holiday special came out, like something like that would be anathema to them. Mm-hmm. Um you know, the generation that needed to take a week off of work when Kurt Cobain died. Uh, those, <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm, I'm either a very young Gen Xer or a very old millennial. Um, but that generation was not going to be into it. But I think that millennia, millennials and um, whatever the next mutants are, that idea of authenticity and, you know, realness means nothing to them so the idea of we're going to get all of your favorite stars together under the flimsiest pretense to just like goof around on television that kind of seems like something they would enjoy so i could see it coming back but also the but the other the the counter argument to that is you know these kids are happy enough to just watch pewdiepie talk into a webcam they don't need the big um, elaborate production values that you would associate with tr- traditional TV holiday special, right? Yeah, I, I wonder if maybe we won't see a transition of like almost like somewhere in between a holiday episode and a holiday special where it is more like 
you know, I said the Sabrina reference where it's like, we're just going to do, and because of, you know, the changes to modern television watching, uh, not being bound by TV's rules, man, like that they can be like, we're just going to do an hour and a half Christmas episode slash special where maybe it's not, you know, the Jackson five coming out and doing a number about holiday stuff, but it's a holiday themed episode, you know, that's a little more weighty than just like one more episode in a season, especially mm-hmm. in these contexts where seasons are very serialized and we can take a sort of a pause, almost like the, uh, you know, we talked about it in our last episode for holidays about, uh, the, uh, black mirror Christmas special. Hmm. Um, you know, like we're, we're kind of taking a time and focusing in on holiday stuff, but it's more than just like, well, what week is it? Oh, it's Halloween. We should probably do the Halloween episode. Um, a little bit more thoughtful than that, a little more weight than that. I think somewhere between those two things is probably what I think is like a, a better model for modern viewing. Mm-hmm. Wasn't there was a Sherlock holiday special too, wasn't there? Um, not special in the way that it's, you know, yeah. well, but also they were because it was one or two of them, but they like, they took place back in the Victorian era. Right, right, right. So they were out of continuity and kind of fantastical. So I don't know which category you'd uh, put those in. But the idea, I think, like, you know, like what the mechanics of it look like exactly, but the idea of doing something yeah. specific in particular to that time of year and uh, that uh, that persuasion, I think, is is different than just like, well, we're, we have 23 episodes, and if we can lock five of them down with holiday episodes, well, then that <laughs> makes our lives a lot easier, right? Yeah. Hmm. Is there anything else you have to feel about the Star Wars holiday special before we go and watch it, Greg? Uh, like I say, I am the only thing I'm looking forward to is, again, this kind of quaint thing. And also, um, I think it'll be kind of cool to watch a like pre I mean, I don't want to say like pre sellout Star Wars because at this point <laughs> they were selling right the fuck out. But like, <laughs> I don't know, like there was a time when Star Wars was still kind of scrappy and weird. And as close to pure as Star Wars can be. And this is a thing, a pure Star Wars, a pre-prequel, pre-Disney Star Wars thing that I've never seen before. It'll be kind of cool to see it. Like, to see, like, 1978 Luke Skywalker, but doing something that I've never seen before. Like, that'll be kind of cool. I feel the same way I, I was sort of thinking that, like, man, this is, like, not that I'm expecting... you know, Oscar worthy performances from anybody in this context. But like, I get to see these classic Star Wars characters interact in ways that I haven't seen before. Yeah. And maybe there is some, like I said, not that I'm expecting that, you know, they're going to take out some deep holiday special reference in episode nine, but every bit of information is more context to like, how do Han and Luke interact at when they're not like in an epic fight, right? Like, was was were Luke and Leia still hitting on each other at this point, or was that like a done thing? Like I, you know, like <laughs> these kind of things. I'm just like, I it'd be kind of interesting to see both from like obviously this is not considered like deep canon and not referencing it, but like it is interesting to see like how do they treat it in that way, but also just like how do they treat it in general? Like how do the writers view these characters and the way they interact with one another and their surroundings and the, the situations they find themselves in, and like is the view of Han Solo or Luke Skywalker as a character very different in November of 19... Well, I mean, they made it before that, but like, you know, late 1978 versus post-Empire Strikes Back or post-Return of the Jedi or whatever we want to talk about, right? Like, that context is very different, and that is what I'm really interested and curious to see. Yeah. 
And also, I'm also interested to see like how well does it achieve being a holiday special, right? Like, what values does it push or instill, and you know, what's the message, and does it make me feel warm and cozy in the way that holiday special probably should? I'm curious in all those ways. I don't have high hopes. I think it's going to make you feel bored and uncomfortable. <laughs> well, hopefully, it's only one of those things. <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, um, so we're going to go watch this movie uh, on our own time. And then in a couple days, we're going to get back together and discuss our thoughts. And we encourage you to do the same. So if you want to watch it, pause it right. Pause the podcast right now. Go track down the lovely, um, I'm sure, super high quality uh, YouTube version. We're going to link in the in the notes and uh, watch it yourself. And then we can all we can all jump in and and digest together. <laughs> All right. Good luck out there. <laughs> May the force be with you. Uh... Greg, I'm really sorry. Yeah, I am too. Woof. Woof, indeed. I hate that this happened to us. <laughs> you know, I knew it was going to be bad, but I didn't know how distinctly uncomfortable it was going to be. This thing was... I've watched a lot of bad movies. I've watched a lot of disturbing movies, but I was not ready for this. This this movie was horrible. Uh, I don't even know where to begin with with this thing. I I honestly I feel genuinely bad <laughs> if anyone watched this movie for the sake of listening to this podcast. I feel genuinely bad for that person. I was in like a really bad mood all day today, and I think it's just because I I watched this. <laughs> so let's start with let's start with a summary of, of the overall plot. So Ooh. basically, <laughs> this is a uh, a quote unquote holiday special featuring. The original cast of Star Wars came out in 1978, as we discussed previously. Well, first of all, featuring the original cast is a generous description. They are in, they appear in this, in this <laughs> yes. movie. There we go. Uh, some more than others, um, and some in different forms than we've seen them before. We'll get there. Uh, basically, the plot line is that uh, on the Wookiee home planet, you're, you sort of follow Chewbacca's family. His father, wife, and child uh, on in their little treehouse on the, I believe they pronounced it Kazook, which is yep. not how I've ever seen that word pronounced or written. But this was 1970; it was an earlier time. We'll forgive him uh, for that. And basically, it's about uh, ostensibly it's about Han and Chewie trying to get back to the Wookiee home planet so Chewie can be with his family for Life Day. And in the process of this. We get a lot of little vignettes in kind of the classic Christmas special style of just kind of coming up with some stupid excuse to do this musical number or do this comedy skit or whatever. But the first thing, well, I guess it's the second thing that's kind of wrong with your description, because on paper, it's about Han and Chewie trying to get back to In Time for Life Day. But really, it's about Chewie's family waiting around <laughs> For Chewie and Han. This is true. I, I was not expecting like large swaths, like we're talking 15 minutes of time without any dialogue of just yeah. Wookiee noises with no subtitles. And I mean, sure, you can kick a guess what they're saying, but uh, very awkward and very uncomfortable timing of these type of things. Yeah. So the movie opens with a little bit of a 
Han and Chewie in a very cheap recreation of the Millennium Falcon cockpit. Like, it looks like, do you know how on SNL, when sometimes they have the celebrity <laughs> host, like, do a bit, like, from their famous movie, yeah. you know, and the costume's kind of right, but the set is very clearly like a bad, that is exactly what happened here. Yep. And um, they use stock footage from... The first movie. Yes. To, to recreate scene, quote unquote, recreate different new scenes, I guess, create new scenes. Recycled a lot of footage from uh, episode four. But so it kind of opens with that. That kind of sets the stage for like, oh, we're trying to get back to your own planet. And then we cut to um, Chewie's family who are living in what really looks like a 1970s sitcom living room. Yep. <laughs> um complete with coffee table and like beat up old leather grandpa chair, um, which might have been funny just conceptually. But then, like you say, there is at least 10 minutes of uninterrupted Wookiee domestic comedy. That again is all in the Wookiee language. No subtitles. It was disturbing because you're watching and you're like, okay, at some point they're going to cut away. (laughs) At some point, they're going to bring in subtitles or at some point, the neighbor is going to stop by and do the thing where they like Han does when he's talking to Chewie or like what Luke does when he's talking to R2 and they kind of do half the conversation and you understand it. Nope, doesn't happen. Just Wookiee nonsense. And I have to say that um, so Chewbacca's son is named Lumpy. Sure. Uh as is to do. And the noises he makes are some of the most grating sounds I've ever heard in my entire life. Yes. Like, you know, this, you know, the scene in Dumb and Dumber with like, you know, this is the most annoying noise ever. It's, it sounded like that, but worse. And I was just like, I was like physically turning down the volume. So I was like, this is really grating. And he does it consistently throughout the whole thing. And Chewie's dad, Itchy, is genuinely terrifying. Yeah, that that costume. I will say that the costumes, you know, the ones that were newly created are Lumpy's a little scary, but the the female uh, Mala, Mala, sure, whatever. But yeah, Itchy is legitimately terrifying, and he makes it's kind of interesting because there's one note, one note I written down is there's sound effects that you know I've seen Star Wars a bazillion times, and there's sound effects that you know they used ones that match up with stuff the Tie Fighters and whatever else, but there's sound effects that were clearly recycled, but that hadn't been used yet, like. Some of Itchy's sound effects were very clearly the sound effects they used for some of the creatures in later movies, like huh. particularly the um I don't know why, I'm just like I'm a very sound oriented guy, I guess, but the the pig guards, the Gamorian guards in Jabba's Palace, he makes some of the same noises that they make. And it's like it's like a little bit grating. It's like, that's not a Wookiee noise, that's a pig noise. <laughs> um that's just something I noticed that like there was definitely some serious like just like weirdness of like, well, is it, I mean, that didn't come out to like 83 like i guess they just had a stockpile of sound effects they were working with and just to pull from but anyway neither here nor there but that that care that costume is very scary yes and there was something wrong in like the size and shape of lumpy do you know what i mean yeah like there was just something off about the whole thing i was it made me very uncomfortable and i also say There are elements of the production values here, especially the lighting, that are even more making me uncomfortable because they like it's it's almost like snuff film level of production (laughs) values. Like you, you almost feel like you're not supposed to be watching it. Like it's not finished 
or you feel embarrassed and vulnerable watching this thing because it is so bad. Yeah, it. I mean, it legitimately feels like I, I can't even like describe what if what it feels like. It just it's so and it's weird because there's certain things that like nothing looked good. I can't like there's no redeeming quality of any of the production except for the very clear um the fact that when you see the picture of their house from the outside like yes. their house is wrapped around a tree that is very clearly like a uh, concept design yeah because i've seen that picture in like books since that same picture is like an early concept for endor and they must have clearly just like used it and i was just like that's that's the best part of the whole thing that's a cool picture it's the, <laughs> it's the best piece of production of this whole thing um so i have i have a couple questions here greg first off i want to say that I went into this knowing this was going to be bad, but determined to give it my undivided attention. Yes. I didn't just throw it on in the background. I didn't play a bunch of Eternal. Well, towards the end, I played a little bit of Eternal, but um, <laughs> just, just towards the very end. And I was only just like forging. I wasn't actually playing. Um, so I really wanted to like pay attention and not just have it wash over me. It's also hard because it was sort of a train wreck because it was like I, I really wanted to stop watching it. But also I was just like, I don't know what's going to happen next. I legitimately had no idea where anything was was going. But I have a question. So this is billed as a holiday special. And oh, I, boy. I expected it to be this sort of thing like, oh, you know, Life Day is a, is a non-denominational stand-in for Christmas. And they've got all the same things of Christmas. Maybe work in some other traditional things where you've got, you know, presents and a tree and you know it happens to be the same music because why not and but there were presents and there was a sort of weird ceremony at the end of the movie Ooh, yeah we'll get there but outside of that the the so they took a like you know craig said a, a variety show kind of approach to this where the movie's interspliced with you know someone watching the tv or listening to music and it breaks into uh, all very, very strange numbers. I mean, we'll talk about all of them individually because <laughs> I have to, but um, but none of them were like holiday themed. And I was like, what are we watching? I really thought that this is going to be a cheesy Christmas special and it's not any of that. So I, yeah, I thought now like, like, like you, I knew going into this that it wasn't Christmas, that it was Wookiee Life Day. And I really expected, I think like you did, that this was going to be a very thinly veiled general Christmassy thing. We just have to call it something else because it's Star Wars. But no, they didn't do that at all. It's just, it's, it is baffling. <laughs> the directions they went with this are baffling. I don't, because, I mean, if, when you think about it, if when you tell someone, okay, there's a Star Wars Christmas special, but they don't call it Christmas, it's Life Day. Like, you can kind of picture in your head like yeah okay it's not like a christmas tree it's some kind of like star warsy tree and like the ornaments are little death stars or um it's not a santa that brings presents but it's a a red droid you know and you're like okay i get it i see where this is going it does not do any of that there are kind of presents but it's also unclear like are those presents or is he like the repairman just bringing them their stuff back? It's, yeah, that's just like his branding is like present boxes. Yeah, it's <clears throat> it's incredibly strange. And then when we finally have the weird cult like life day celebration at the end, they don't even like bring it home at that point. It is baffling. The only, you know, so the only... um like exposure I had to this prior was, you know, I used to play when I was in high school, Star Wars Galaxies, 
the MMO, uh, multi massive multiplayer online game, the time. And every, you know, Christmas, they would have Wookiee Life Day, and anyone who logged in got one of those red robes and whatever weird crystal things yeah. they were holding. Completely I actually unexplained. don't know what those were. Um, I'm like, are they snow globes and there's fire inside of something? I'm not sure what those are. Like, are they light bulbs? Like, <laughs> so everyone got those. So now that memory in my mind is very stained now because the context of those robes is very different for me now. Uh, so let's first let's talk about the use of the original cast and, and their appearances because there's yeah. a lot to say here. Um, the first one, like you said, is Han and Chewie. And I must say that out of everybody, Harrison Ford is the only one who it still feels like a hair off. Obviously, because yeah. he's just like phoning it in, but it still well, feels like it's you know it's it's Harrison Ford and, and he's doing he seems like he's doing a good Han Solo impression. Yeah, but that's it that's, feels very that's first take, but he seems like he's trying. Yeah, but uh, one of the you know when you see Mark Hamill, um, it's you know through this computer screen they're talking uh, and he's fixing something. I don't know, but anyway, he looks like a doll. Okay, he does. <laughs> and he stare like, the whole time, like, he's talking to, you know, through the TV screen, and he's staring right at you, and he's not blinking. I'm like, blink, motherfucker, come on, like, what are you doing? <laughs> so me out, man. he does, and I thought he looked weirdly, like, there was something kind of, like, 70s David Bowie about it, and it, there was something very strange, and he seemed like he was wearing a wig, and the fact that, yeah, he's talking right to the camera... Which was a weird choice. But anyway, so Karen looked into this and apparently you may recall that between episodes four and five, Mark Hamill was involved in a pretty serious car accident right, and right. had to get a fair amount of plastic surgery. And apparently this was filmed like immediately after that. Oh. So he is wearing a ton of makeup and I think a hairpiece to kind of, you know, like cover up a lot of like the work in progress with yeah. the scarring or what have you. Okay, so, well, now I, now I feel a little bad about making no, fun of you it. No, but- <laughs> They chose the makers of this. If anyone even made this, I kind of feel like some people stumbled in front of a camera and then they just put it on TV. But, like, the people who made this knew full well the circumstances and thought, hey, you know what we should do? Just have tight close-ups on his face (laughs) as he talks into the camera. That's a great solution to this genuinely traumatic issue for him. Yeah. um, I mean, the droids were the droids, which is fine. Uh, But, and then Carrie Fisher was, I don't know, like paying her bills at the scene that she was in. And then she did like at the very end, she wasn't in it much. It looked like she was, Probably very high on cocaine. Oh, yes. I think she, uh, I think, um, I think she was. And, um, and I don't think she cares that we know that. <laughs> uh, but then she doesn't go, I didn't, you know, they, uh, the, the musical number at the end where Ooh. Carrie Fisher sings yeah. was also uncomfortable and out of the blue. And I mean, I guess it wasn't, she's not a bad singer. Uh, I don't know. It just seemed like, why are we doing this? Yeah, I want to get to the finale okay. later because there's a lot there. Uh, but, um, so that's basically the scenes with, with those people. But like, let's talk about the, the the variety pieces. So the first one was this like, it was on the, um, uh, oh man, my Star Wars know. trivia. The is name of that holographic 
chess table. Yeah. Oh man, I, this is one of those things I, I should know, but I don't. Um, did you act something like that? I don't know. Uh, anyway, so it, it was like lumpy watching it on there, and it was costumed circus it, people it, acrobats in a very weird music number just like yes it was very trippy so yeah the weird circus thing that we all had to watch for for why <laughs> and also watch like as you know lumpy's because his his character model is a little scary too like his costume yes. and as he's like you know it's it's a like little miniatures of them on this table and he's behind it watching and reacting and it's it's very uncomfortable and very yes. weird i had to just keep using that word that's how i felt this entire time right because you're you're so off balance with this because it is a why are they showing this to me where is any where is this going and this is the first real thing you see is this weird circus performance of juggling and tumbling and um gymnastics and you're like what where is this going what are they doing um i this is incredibly boring but also compelling in a morbid curiosity kind of way but the answer is it's going nowhere this means nothing like i kept waiting for like that scene to pay off somehow like even later on, you're like, is he going to use the little like circus holograms to distract the Imperial Guards or something? Why did we watch that for five minutes? Please tell me why. Um, the only redeeming thing is that um, apparently those people went on to become the first troop of Cirque du Soleil. Are you serious? Uh, that is what Karen told me based on her Googling. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, okay. Okay. It's just, I mean, at some point, the writers of this said, okay, so we're going to do like a classic variety show, kind of like fit excuses to just throw stuff on the screen. What do you think of when you think of classic variety show? I know, circus routines. That's what America's, the America's youth of 1978 wants to see. While, while a giant hairy child's face stares on, unblinking and teeth chattering. And yeah, it was, oh... It was very scary. The music was weird. It just felt like it, it's just not what I expected in any right. way. Because also at this point you're watching this and like you have to remind yourself, this is Star Wars stuff. What about this? What? Where did this? How? What? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess the next thing was, was it the, was it the cooking scene? Um, I think the weird like, um, I think the weird kind of comedy routine in the traders oh yeah shop the was next but boy that was rough yeah the trader was one of the main characters of the show was he a recognizable actor I, I saw his name but i didn't stand out to uh, me art carney like a famous comedic actor of who was probably at that point in his career like on the downhill slope of his career but yeah like famous comedic actor you know like a Kevin James in today's world. Uh -huh. Yeah, his inclusion was weird. I mean, he, I mean, he at least he seemed to be trying to act, which was nice. Um, it is also nice to have like human dialogue uh, <laughs> enter in at some point. After twenty minutes of, <laughs> yeah, the the, the the way this movie opens is, I was like, oh boy, because it was you know twenty minutes of Wookies growling at each other, and then a five minute weird circus trip and i was just like oh boy where are we going <laughs> um so that was fine that's not much to comment on that for me but then there's a, a scene where mala is in the kitchen watching some sort of like 
cooking video uh, yes. making a recipe. And it was just like it wasn't like funny in any way. I couldn't even tell if it was trying to be funny. That's the thing. It's like I it's one thing when you're watching something and you're like, oh, this is old and they just had a different sense of humor. And I don't laugh, but I could see, you know, nothing in this movie endpoint was just like, oh, they're trying to make a joke here. It's just like, I don't know what the point of the scene is. So I can kind of see, I could see where they were trying for the humor in that, but there was also something very, like, they didn't give you any chance to, like, let any of the jokes land. And it was pretty clear, like, you're watching it and that's Harvey Corman, another kind of, at the time, famous comic actor, doing this routine. And it felt very improvised. And the editor clearly didn't know how to, like, cut around the jokes to make them land. Because some of them were actually kind of like, like, okay, I get it. I see the joke. Like, you know, okay, she, you know, it's a, a pinch, a pinch for the pod and a whole handful for me to eat. Like, all right, fine. Not a great joke, but a joke. Um, and then when they did the, like, oh, she's got four arms bit, like, I was like, that could have been genuinely funny and surprising, but just the pacing of it, like all of a sudden it comes out and you have no idea and wait, what? And then by the time you realize what's happening, the joke is gone and we moved on to some other thing. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was awkward. Um, and then comes, I think one of the weirdest parts in the special for me where, you know, the trader comes to visit them, brings presents and he brings, I guess, uh, you know, a weird cassette tape or whatever they were using, like clear cassette tapes um, for Itchy, who is Chewbacca's <laughs> dad, mm -hmm. and puts him in this chair and puts a thing on. I'm pretty sure he called it the mind evaporator at some point. So I was just like, I don't want to put my head in a mind evaporator. That sounds terrible. Uh, and then he's like, you know, he was like, I couldn't tell if he was like, I don't I was trying. I was very unclear what he was like being suggestive that like. You're going to like this, huh, buddy guy? Like, oh, yeah, it's really, uh, you know, really something. And I was just like, okay. And then it it was. It was like a porn chair. Like he – Yeah. It was – I mean, it, it went into this musical number, but it, it started off and it's this woman and she's talking about how she's going to, you know, she's all his fantasies and she's going to give him great pleasure, blah, blah. And, and the weird part, it's not that this is back in his like – old gross grandpa room this is like in the nope. middle of the living room in the living room <laughs> and the i was middle like of the day and on then life day on life day uh with your grandson sitting right in front of you um and once again shifts into a very weird and trippy musical song yeah which was you know weird but oh god it was so i was like this is gross <laughs> so first of all so this this thing it reaches into his brain and, um, and, you know, brings his fantasies to life. He's a Wookiee <laughs> and his fantasy is Diane Carroll in a weird pink wig. Now, I'm not saying that Diane Carroll is a bad fantasy, but it's a little weird for a Wookiee to be having a fantasy about, um, a human woman, uh... Again, I don't want to yuck anyone's yum. And I know that there are people out there that are, you know, their fantasy is a Wookiee, but kind of a weird fit. Yeah, very, very strange. And once again, just the song was yeah. I'm like, all right, she's going to sing, you know, uh, I don't know, like, you know, 
Santa I saw baby. Mama kissing. Yeah, Santa baby, something like that. Nope. Yeah. Some no. weird whatever. Some weird song you've never heard. Some slow minor key vocal number about like making moments last or something amidst like trippy kaleidoscope visuals. And this is this is the like we're still early on. Why are we? This is what kids want to see. What is happening? It's just, it's unfathomable. Now, apparently, this scene was supposed to be even more racy, but they toned it down. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank God. But it's so bizarre. And again, like, in another, there's another version of this where, right, it's Santa Baby and it's Mariah Carey and it's a little, you know, flirty and sexy and, um, and okay, I get it. But again, stripped of all context of songs and situations you recognize, and instead it's weird fur monsters. And again, the itchy mask is horrifying. <laughs> like this is it's I, I I wrote in my notes, did David Lynch direct this? <laughs> because so much of it seems purposely designed to like get under your skin. And make you uncomfortable. Yeah, it, it really, like, I mean, I just, it caused me physical pain. <laughs> yeah. Just the uncomfortableness of this entire thing. So, all right, so so then, you know, blah, 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 Han and Chewie are delayed because there's Imperial blockades or something. And now the Imperials show up and they're trying to, they're basically trying to root out rebel stuff. And I don't know why. This is after Darth Vader, who shows up, like, twice in this whole thing. Um, <laughs> right, but not not in costume, only in recycled footage. Right, and animation. right. And... But with new dialogue by James Earl Jones, don't miss that. Yeah. Um, and you know, says I want, I need every household in the system search. They're literally going house by house searching yeah. for rebel stuff in a in a galaxy. Okay. Uh, anyway, um, so they show up there and they're they're trying to figure out where the other the other male Wookiee is because God forbid they're out like at the store or right. something. Um, which is just weird, so but know, where is he? I don't know. Doing Wookiee stuff. What do you think? So Lumpy is, is be getting in the way and they're being really mean. So, uh, you know, his mom sends him to watch a cartoon, uh, which happens to be some, I guess, short cartoon about the rebels. Well, before that, um, the trader space Santa sits one of the rebel or one of the Imperial troops oh, down yeah, yeah, yeah. with another, weird um sci-fi device which this one isn't porno but still kind of weird it's a holographic jefferson jefferson starship music video i actually dug this part of it this is yeah. the only you were into this? <laughs> yeah i was into this <laughs> i mean it was still weird as hell but it didn't feel as uncomfortable as the other things like the effects were very strange i couldn't even see what was going on i'm like is that a guitar is that a like it the, just it distorted the kaleidoscope style just yeah. distorted everything so dramatically um and i don't think it was a quality thing because the rest of it didn't seem like the rest of the recording we we're watching didn't seem to be that bad but yeah i was like well this just seems like a song from a, a you know a popular band at the time once again surprise it's not a christmas song but okay sure. <laughs> right um or even something like even like a life day song like if we're gonna do it and we're gonna pretend this is a holiday special from another galaxy like go all the way with it and invent life day carols that they all sing along you know yeah it, it was it's just like and it seems like it was just like a weird mix of people because i'm like granted i'm not much of like a 70s person but like i don't know it just feels like it was a weird collection of actors and acts that they chose to put in this 
thing together. I think it's whoever answered the phone. (laughs) (laughs) Who was real desperate for a paycheck. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so... Okay, but yeah, so that I think I forgot that one because it was the least offensive to me at this point. Um, so yeah, so anyway, the cartoon. Uh, what do you think of this cartoon, Greg? Um, it, I I didn't mind the cartoon. They were there were some weird animation moments. Oh my god, like their face, some of their faces at points. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, yes, Han Solo's and face when they first wake him up looks like it's like as long as his body. <laughs> yes, and. A lot of other weird things, like the animators seemed really taken with their ability to like animate a character, like slowly turning their head a full 180 <laughs> degrees, like across the plane of the camera. So, like, we saw a lot of that. It was very strange. Um, but I think that if that had been like developed a little bit more and that style had been refined a little bit, like, I would watch that Star Wars cartoon. The, um, Actually, the like the animation style, at least not so much the characters, but like when they're out in space and some of the other action scene stuff, it reminded me a lot of the we talked about on this expanded universe episode, like that Dark Empire comic series yeah, had that right. weird sort of like style to it. So I thought that was interesting. But this is, you know, probably one of the uh, the holiday specials biggest claim to fame is this is the first showing of Greg's favorite character, Boba Fett. Yeah, um, which was weird uh it was i mean it was kind of like a non sequitur like story overall it was just like we're gonna go do this thing all right the thing got messed up okay the thing doesn't even really matter um it was interesting they were searching for a like mystical uh talisman amulet that would make people turn invisible which just showed you at this point one thing i like about this this thing is that people still like i mean one star wars movie had come out so there wasn't like a clearly defined like what is Star Wars? Yes. Like, what are the bounds of, you know, what we're doing here? Um, and sometimes, and like, weirdly at times, I felt like this thing was like really working within the confines established and like working with quote unquote things that were canonical from the first movie. Mm-hmm. The th- little, just little details that like someone making this probably when they're in their weird cocaine acid binge when they're making it uh, probably could have ignored. But other times they, they didn't like. One of the main things that's like a, a standout, I mean, like the first half of the first Star Wars movie is that like Luke can understand R2, but in this in this thing, he cannot. But then like they make a big deal that like C-3PO has to translate for the Wookiees and Han can understand. It's, I don't know. It's just like weird. Like they're they're detailed about some things, but not detailed about other things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I thought the cartoon was was like like an interesting like alternate universe of like a direction Star Wars could have gone that I thought was kind of neat. And like this idea of like, you know, whatever adventures Han and Luke got up to between episode between episodes four and five, I'm like, I could I wouldn't mind this at all. But uh it was weird. It was over before it felt like it should have been. Like mm-hmm. it felt like they it was reaching like its climax of like, oh, they find they figured out that Boba Fett is, you know, he's a he's a he's a double agent. And they basically figure that out. And then instead of like having a fight with him, they just like see three was like, oh, he's a bad guy. And Boba Fett's like, yeah, uh oh, bye. And then then, then it's over. <laughs> like, yeah, what? that's what I meant. by like, It just felt truncated. Like they didn't film the second. They didn't yeah. run out of money for the second half or something. <laughs> Uh, but it was just it was really funny because i i wrote down I was like wait so like they're all concerned because the imperials are like raiding their house and lumpy goes and watches like a very clearly pro rebel cartoon about which, his dad about his dad yeah it's like the <laughs> weird context it's like uh okay um 
And right, and because it's animated, are we supposed to believe that he's watching like rebel propaganda, or is this something that happened? Like, what? <laughs> what is this? Yeah, I don't know. Weird one. So now I want to get to I think what was for me possibly the weirdest sequence was where <laughs> Lumpy goes upstairs. Oh, I know the one you mean. And he like he got some device, and I'm I'm still not positive what the device was designed to do but he basically started watching a tutorial on how to put it together which i assume came with it or something like that and it is this guy like doing this like fake robot thing and he's telling him it's like watching an animated ikea instructions like yeah but it also done in like the weirdest way i i was just like once again like kind of back to the cooking like what is the point of this like we're literally watching someone tell a child how to put together this object that we don't know what it does for like 20 minutes. Right. And then like, he's acting like he's some sort of like robot and getting stuck on stuff and like stuttering and doing weird camera things to make him like stutter, but like not in a convincing, I don't know. It was, it was weird. So this is, yeah. So, so bad. This sequence. I mean, first of all, I was like watching it. I was like, Oh, this is where Tim and Eric got all their ideas from this (laughs) 10 minutes uh, where they're manipulating all the, you know, to do the weird skippy, jumpy, um, repetitive. But it's like they said, okay, why don't we do one where they're like watching an instructional video, but it's funny somehow. And then they bounce that around the writer's room and say, yeah, like the guy doing the instructions is a robot who keeps malfunctioning. And then they, and then, and then they say, great, you over there. Take it, write a whole bunch of jokes within that context. And then that guy forgot to write all the jokes. So instead, we just get to watch a glitchy instructional video for 15 minutes. Because there's no actual jokes in the thing other than just, oh, he's a malfunctioning robot, I guess. Why didn't they do another take? I don't know. But also, and maybe this is because we as modern viewers, like we see all those like skips and starts and just we interpret them as, oh, there's something wrong with the video as opposed to, oh, that's a robot, you know, Mm -hmm. stuttering. So I don't know like how that played for, you know, viewers in 1978, but I hated it. Yeah, it was. Oh, God, I just don't know. (laughs) It was just so boring. Like this entire thing is boring boring that is one that is one um one other descriptor to uh describe this holiday special overall the first one is uncomfortable and the second one is really boring yeah because there are other bad movies that we've talked about like other like legendarily bad movies the room troll 2 both of those are incredibly fun to watch because they are bad and they are horrible but they are by no means boring this is just interminably dull. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's there, there's stump, there's ones that you throw on, you know, you're having a party or some friends. Oh, God, let's watch that. Oh, let's watch The Room. Yeah, it'll be funny. I would never do that with this. Not in a million years. I would probably show people, like, clips of it and be like, look how bonkers this is. But, like, yeah. for a minute. And then I'd be like, all right, let's stop watching this because yeah. it hurts me. Watch a compilation <laughs> of it. Right. Like, here's a bunch of shit. Yeah, I mean, but- I think I would recommend that to people as to if there is a compilation, just, like, 30 seconds of each of the segments of this and you'll you'll get the point. Yeah, look it up on YouTube. Watch the first minute. Skip ahead. Pick another random 30 seconds. Watch that. Skip ahead. Um, Ugh, yeah. But, but following the weird android thing, 
we get to what I think is chari- what I would charitably call the best segment in the thing. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. Best <laughs> segment of the, of the Star Wars special, you know, to borrow a dad joke, you know, the best ice fisherman in Miami. But <laughs> this was the closest that I could see to like, okay. Well, no, the cartoon is the best part. This is, you know, the second best. Okay. Um, it Lay out is, the scene for me, Greg. I want to hear you describe it. Okay. So this is the closest to like reenacting or like adapting like standard musical special things. It's just kind of a like very standard, very classic setup of, you know, it takes place in a bar. The first half of the scene is this poor lonely guy. He's hitting on the bartender and she is just, you know, brushing him off in relatively comical ways. The bartender who is B. Arthur. <laughs> National treasure. Look, she made it. She 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 showed up to play. Yeah, she did. Um, she, she, she did what she had to do. Apparently she had no idea she was doing a Star Wars thing. She just showed up and said, and then I sang to these guys in stupid masks. I had no idea. what. <laughs> Which, so I want to talk about the framing of the scene real quick. Yes. So it comes on. So like the Imperials are still searching the, the, the Baca's residence. Um, that's not his last name. Uh, <laughs> does Chewie have a last name, Andrew? I don't think he does. Good. I think I think Wookiees are like a one name kind of culture. Um, anyway, so and like one of the TVs in the house of which there are like multiple kinds of TVs uh, turns on and it's like directed at the Imperials. But it's not like later on there's like announcements to the Imperials over the TVs, which okay yes. weird. But uh, this is like some sort of Imperial propaganda documentary. And the only way that I can interpret it, I watched it twice of what it was about is we're going to show you life on Tatooine and how shitty it is yeah. to make you feel better. It was basically what they said. And I was just like, okay, that's a weird thing to do. Yeah. But anyway, so the scene takes place in the Moss Eisley Cantina, I guess. Um, although it's not definitely not the same set from that one. No. But it's it's all the same monsters, uh, aliens, which I, I was reading. You know, I did some research myself looking around like what Lucas had to say about this. And he's like, oh, you know, it was a mistake. We, you know, we're licensing some stuff. It was new. It was, pro- you know, probably just some money. And he's like, we gave him some stuff and they did it. You just give him some stuff. They give him every freaking costume you made for that movie. Like they had every single costume from that scene in that. And they were not like, I could tell they were not like shitty, cheap knockoffs. They were like no. the actual costumes. But you can also see by watching that scene and then comparing it to the, you know, the original. Holy shit lighting and framing really make a difference because those monsters look cheap as hell in this. Like this looked like stuff that like seventies doctor who would have said, we can't put that on the air. That looks like garbage, (laughs) but I know it's the same costumes, but just, you know, you get the lighting wrong and boy, oh boy. Well, we learned that from all the entertainment weekly covers. um, Yeah. It's cover stories, but yeah, yeah, no, it's just like, is it looks real bad but you know at least they're there i don't know at least it feels star star warsy yeah until be the arthur starts singing i guess well, but even that i was like this is fine because this is just like this is 
It's a closing time at the bar song, kind of a cabaret style thing. This is a this is a thing. Um, and it's fine. And she's saying goodbye to everybody in the bar and and whisking them away. And you do a little joke, you know, here and there as it happens. It's kind of standard musical theater stuff. Nothing about it to me was like, this is genius. But I was like, I at least understand what this is. <laughs> Yeah, like, if this, this whole a, thing would have been made up of things like that, it would have made a lot more sense. Yes. this is, I'm like, okay, this is what this I, – I, 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 I understand this. It's, it's, not, it's not particularly memorable or particularly well done, but at least I have a mental framework in which to insert this, unlike 15 minutes of unsubtitled Wookiee dialogue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which feels like experimental cinema. Yes, it, it really did feel like that. Uh, so, yeah, that was definitely I still felt like I, I agree with what you said at the time. I was kind of just like, this is a holiday special. Why are we doing this? <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it definitely has. It has like a coherence that like nothing else in this does. Yeah, um, no, this is I mean, um, so now that brings us to the, 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 the joyful reunion with Chewbacca and Han Solo. Um, so. Chewie and Han come home, murder a guy. <laughs> that guy, real dead. <laughs> just threw him off the goddamn train. And then, and then just go inside like, so nice to see you all. What a wonderful life day. <laughs> and then they had, like, it even, I thought they were just going to, like, kind of forget about, but then later, Han's leaving and he's like, they're going to be looking for that guy and kicks his gun off the, right. The, <laughs> I was like, all right. <laughs> but also, and then there's a moment here. They all come inside. And, you know, Harrison Ford is doing his level best to be fucking Han Solo. And you know what? I'll watch another five minutes of Han Solo that I've never seen before. Fine. Um, But then this movie has the fucking audacity to show us the heartfelt reunion between Chewie and Mala. Like, we linger, the camera lingers on these expressionless fucking dog puppets for minutes as they just stare at each other, unblinking, motionless, like, as, as like, emotional music swells in the background. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, this has got to be a fucking joke. They don't think that this, nobody thought this was going to work, right? Like, I can't. I mean, I couldn't believe that they actually fucking tried about tried to do that. Um, oh. Yeah, I, I, and also when when Han, it was Han, Han's leaving because he's basically like I can't stay for some reason <laughs> because uh, because reasons. <laughs> and then he like him and Chewie are saying goodbye, and they have a very tender hug, and I'm like. That's weird. Like the way they just like hold each other. I'm just like, okay. Like it's just very, very strange. I will and say though, some there was a moment. Fix were born. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, there was a moment. I actually felt like the one moment that made me feel anything was when like, I guess just cause it's Christmas time and all the kids are getting their toys or whatever. But like, when the stormtroopers are in Lumpy's room, just ripping up all of the oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, man. That's and I'm intense. Like, this is brutal. Like, these guys are, like, neat. Like, just so, like, nefarious, but also, like, spiteful in such a, like, meaningless, like, petty way. And then just they, like, like, they, like, decapitate his, like, Bantha rocking horse. Yeah, they, like, ripped his head off. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with these guys? Doesn't Lumpy, like, he's really sad about it. Doesn't he, like, take the Bantha head and, like, put it on his bed and try to put it back together again? Yeah, it's a real weird, like, dark scene. Yeah, it's and then, like that scene with the dead Ewok. And- 
Jedi. Yes. And then there was, and then the, the Imperial, Imperial soldier, like the, the commander or whatever, he goes up to Mala and is like, he told, he tells Lumpy to go clean his, this is before he gets up there to seize the wreck of it. He tells him to like clean his room and he, he like nudges Mala and like, that'll keep him busy for a while. Right. And like, he said it in a way that like, he could have delivered it in a way that was like, he's being an asshole to everybody, but it kind of came across like he was just like one parent to another, like kids, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, sort of fucking ass. So that was, that was the one thing I was like, damn, this movie's dark. Yeah. So, um, and but then, did you also see they got the Wilhelm screening on the, uh, the stormtrooper they killed? Yeah, of course they did. Of course they did. <laughs> um, but that brings us to, um, our final glimpse of what life day is, which, Again, not just a Christmas analog, but a whole new thing that they show us like they show us the audience like, oh, yeah, here's the big life day scene you all were expecting and waiting for. And like, we're going to throw a whole bunch of shit at you with no explanation. Like, oh, of course, now they all hold up the glowing orbs. Right. We know what this is. And then, of course, they all put on red robes and walk through space into a glowing light. And then they're at the bottom of, like, the tree of life. Yeah. You know, and then, like, for some reason, Leia's there now, despite the whole movie being about how hard it is to get there. Yeah. And is this, like, because they they walk across, like, a star field. Yeah, it's real weird. It's really, like, like what what they're kind of setting up is that they... Through these orbs, they somehow have some kind of like spiritual communion with all the other Wookiees, but it's taking place in some kind of spiritual plane. But then C-3PO shows up. <laughs> and, and gives this weird speech about how he's a robot and can't can't feel the same thing they all feel. Right. Like, and, okay, then, well. and then we have what was to me felt a little problematic where uh, Carrie Fisher some white lady starts lecturing the Wookiees about what their holiday really means, (laughs) which I was like, all right, a little weird there. But also I feel like you all realize that we, the audience have no idea what the true meaning of life day is. Right. And it wasn't even like they didn't even try. I mean, it wasn't even analogous to like Christmas or or Ernie. It's just so weird. It's like, we all just want peace and love. And it's like, okay, cool you just murdered that guy (laughs) yeah and then she was sort of singing along to the the final song of um like a new hope Mm -hmm. like the the metal giving ceremony and i'm just like but like only just kind of (laughs) it was very very weird uh and i mean i actually thought that set looked kind of cool because like you could see the tree in the background and stuff but uh i don't know what Starfield portal they took to get to the bottom of the tree, but uh, yeah, and yeah, the line of or the, yeah, the C3PO line of just like, oh, I wish that R2 and I weren't mechanical so we could experience the true, like, you know, meaning of life day or something. And I was just like, hmm, okay, well, except you are capable of feeling the sense of loss and regret for not being able to feel you're having emotions about not having emotions. Who wrote this? Oh, right, Bruce Valanche. <laughs> <laughs> no, Bruce Valanche wrote this. I don't know who that is. Okay. Um, Bruce Valanche, um, relatively famous comedy TV writer from the 70s and 80s, um, known for often being a uh, square on the Hollywood Squares reboot, um, and also known for writing all of the awful jokes 
um, that actors say to each other on stage at the Oscars. Um, he's a he's a real character, Bruce Valanche, as much okay. a punchline as himself as a writer. But uh, no, and he wrote this whole thing. So apparently, Lucas wrote the first draft. <laughs> okay. So oh, I know who Bruce Valanche is. Okay, he's a weird looking guy. Yeah, Got it. He's that guy. <laughs> um, is he is he still alive? I. Oh, wow. I'm sure I don't know. <laughs> He's 70. Okay. Jeez. Um, so, so um, Lucas writes the first draft, and apparently it was more like what you kind of think it would be like. So if you think about the Han and Chewie escapades at the beginning and the cartoon, that's more the tone that he was going for. Mm-hmm. Now, apparently the network saw this and said, oh, no, we want something much more like traditional star-studded musical variety. And Lucas said, thanks, no thanks. I'm already knee-deep on writing um, Empire Strikes Back. So the network hands it off to Bruce Valanche and a couple others um, to kind of pull this thing together. Okay. Um, And that's one of the reasons probably it seems so disjointed is because the B. Arthur segment was probably written by one writer, the Wookiee scenes were probably written by another. Um, and you can kind of see how they would stitch it together, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's how we ended up to where we are. But back to the Life Day celebration in, at the Tree of Life, which may be real, may not be real. Who knows? Who cares? But we close this out with this weird, like, uh, double exposure close up on Chewbacca's face, which again is an expressionless, hairy mask intercut with all of your favorite scenes from a new hope. Yeah. <laughs> but then back to a lingering close up on Chewie's face. Like, Oh, right. I can see what a special life life day. This inanimate monster had, you know, I, I just don't understand because there's so many ways that this could have gone that would have like not been good, but made sense. And especially in the star Wars context of like, we really want to sell toys. Yes. And there's not really any toys to be sold from this that are new. And the only thing I think is that they're really trying to get people invested in Chewbacca because they want to sell Chewbacca toys. But then they didn't really, the special is not at all for kids. And I, I just, I don't know. Greg, I don't know. So do you, do you have a theory? Well, so I think, I think the answer is, um, the, uh, now, you know, like to your point, when we were kind of teeing this up, your main stars of Star Wars at this point are not necessarily big in-demand actors, but they were just in the biggest movie of the of the year. So they're probably a little bit expensive. You know who's not expensive? Somebody who can stay in a Wookiee suit. <laughs> it's true. Um, so that's a cheap way to frame this whole thing up. You know what else is, is easy about that? You don't have to... You can shoot that thing quickly because the directing doesn't really matter. There are no line reads to get right. There's no like, you know, you're playing this scene too sad. I need you to make it happier. You know, it's all physical. Um, and you shoot all that stuff very quickly and very cheaply. Um, so that's why I think they went with the Wookiees as the framing device. Because if you say, look, where there's no way we're going to be able to shoot this whole thing with the main cast. They're not, it's just not going to work. So who else do we put on screen this whole time? I mean, we could try to invent some brand new characters and this is like Han's brother-in-law, 
but then I have to find an actor that people are going to be interested in. Maybe we can take a chance and do like some Muppet nonsense with these uh, Wookiees. That's my mm-hmm. hunch about why they went this road. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. But huh. I can almost see like, because as we're talking through this and the fact that like we're talking about like how weirdly disconnected Life Day is from anything we know in the real human world. And besides maybe Scientology. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, and how disconnected any of it is from anything we know about. Or, you know, they're not trying to make it like, hint, hint, wink, wink. We're really talking about Christmas. Um, if somebody came to me and said, I want to do a Star Wars Christmas special, but I want to do it in universe where this thing is not a thinly veiled Christmas special. This is literally a life day special. It is a special for a holiday that doesn't exist. Um, almost like on Rick and Morty when they do intergalactic television, mm-hmm. like that kind of idea. Um, I could almost be like, that idea is just crazy enough to work. But this was not that. This was not set with the framing device of like, you know, like, because any framing could device could be like, it's, it's Han, Luke, and Leia in the Rebel base, like curling up on a winter night to like watch this on the telescreen, you know? Uh-huh. And then they watch the Christmas special that takes place in universe. Like that could almost be crazy enough to work, but I would honestly much rather have seen Harrison Ford as Han Solo singing Winter Wonderland in a duet with Chewbacca. <laughs> or no, baby, it's cold outside. But it's him and Chewbacca. Yeah. I, <laughs> That's, oh, God damn it. I think part of the uncomfortableness was that I was waiting for when it would turn into a holiday special. Yes. I'm like, oh, you know, it's not quite life day yet. So, like, you know, then it's going to switch over up to the very, very end. Cause I was like, all right, now all the Wookiees are gathered and Carrie Fisher's coming out. I bet she's going to sing like, you know, happy holidays, something like that. Yeah. Nope. I'm just like, God damn it. <laughs> yeah. It's insanity. Like, I just can't believe this was made and aired. I like I'm I the, the the last good decision George Lucas made was never letting this thing see the light of day again. <laughs> so so Greg in your eyes as far as you know the the redeeming qualities are you like the cartoon and you like the B Arthur segment. Okay, I don't want to liked I, liked in the context of this. Right. I think that the cartoon and the B Arthur segment are artifacts of what this could have been. They are both first draft, first thought um, versions of it, but those seem closest to what I was expecting. A musical number in the in the in the um, Moss Eisley Cantina. Got it. Mm-hmm. A um, you know a little cartoon adventure with our heroes. Got it. The rest of it is. I don't even know how this thing got to air. I don't know who looked at the script and said, "Yeah, I think we can make this work." <laughs> I think of it. I keep thinking in the context of some of the other sort of like peripheral Star Wars licensed products from like the seventies and eighties. Like, um, basically, I'm thinking of like the Droids cartoon, the two Ewok made-for-TV movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the Marvel comics were happening at this point, which is also reminiscent of the. I think some of the um, art in the cartoon. Yeah. Uh, but I keep thinking, I've never actually seen the droids cartoon, but I have seen the Ewok specials and man, those blow this out of the water. I mean, yeah. they might as well win Oscars. I mean, Jesus. I mean, I think the, the interesting thing about this and my comment to Karen was like the fact that, you know, we saw so little of the characters we care about 
is that this is like a Simpsons hol- or, or a Simpsons Christmas special that's about Chief Wiggum's brother-in-law. <laughs> like it's so disconnected from everything we care about. Um, did Karen watch it with you? She did. What were Karen's thoughts? Um, Karen had the luxury of spending a lot of the time looking at her phone. Uh, okay. Well, I'm, I, Greg, given your predispositions, I'm really proud of you for giving this your undivided attention. Well, okay. So, um, you know, I, I couldn't, I knew I couldn't tune out on this. And there is a morbid curiosity. There's a sunk cost fallacy in play here of like, you sit through the first 90 minutes of this and you're like, nope, I got to see this through to the end. But the weird thing about this, and you mentioned the Ewok movies and the droid cartoons. And I think that the big picture of the history of Star Wars, and it's interesting to see it starting even in 1978, is it has been a 40-year effort of repeated failures to make Star Wars about someone other than the Skywalkers. Like, there is this thing. There is the droids cartoon. There is the Ewoks. There is um, the... uh, Countless comic books and 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 novels in the interim. There are a couple of cartoons that tried to be about like a squadron of, you know, stormtroopers or what have you, and they have all failed. But apparently we have been trying that nonsense for 40 years. I thought that it was a relatively new phenomenon of them, you know, trying to post prequels, trying to broaden out the Star Wars universe and make it, but no, this is, they've been doing it for a long time. And even in the seventies, we should have been like, just do I want to see Luke and Han? Stop it. (laughs) If Darth Vader's not in it, I'm not interested, but they didn't Uh, even listen even then. (laughs) Yeah, I guess, I mean, I guess you're right. Um, All I disagree with some of the, I don't think, I I think you can make as far as, but anyway, we won't go down that road right now. I do want to also, (laughs) that's true. Um, Two things I wanted to note. One other thing was that I was really hoping to be put in like the holiday spirit, even in a super cheesy bad way. And I'm just not at all because it's not a holiday special. Uh, so that's kind of sad and disappointing. I might have to go watch like a Christmas movie tomorrow or something just to get into the right mood because now I yeah. just feel grossed, at, grossed out. <laughs> you just need to put put the Hallmark, Hallmark channel in your ear, in your earbuds for like seven or eight hours just to like <laughs> get back to neutral on stuff. <laughs> also, I loved. Um, just the sort of, I don't know how to describe it. There's a, there was a sort of weird feeling where, uh, cause it was, this is, you know, recorded from TV and, you know, whatever. And it, when it started, it was like, you know, instead of your regularly scheduled programming, Wonder Woman and the Hulk, we're going to watch this. I'm like, wow, like that's just, yeah, man. Those could be shows that are on TV right now. And that's just this really, really was a really weird feeling. So I'm guessing we watched the same. You, it's a uh, purported, so the one you saw had no commercials. Uh, only in, only at the beginning. Only at the beginning. And they had that that lovely uh, action figure plug, which I actually really enjoyed. Yeah, I thought it was so. So we watched the same trade, the same uh, capture, and that's the one I'm going to link in the show notes, which is purportedly a first generation rip from a first generation tape, meaning someone took the actual VHS that was recorded live on the air and digitized it as opposed to a copy of a copy of a copy of blah, 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 um, with commercials edited out. Um, I agreed with you when I saw those two ads. I was like, holy shit. It, the Incredible Hulk and Wonder Woman, both on like primetime television. We have really come full circle on these things. Or American culture is a stagnant swamp. <laughs> I'm not sure which. Um, well, or both. It could be both. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, that commercial, I thought it was really interesting watching that because did you notice that the voiceover in that commercial was really targeted to the parents? About, yeah. Your children will love these Star Wars toys. Yeah. Which I guess it was the holidays. But, uh, but if you think about it, there is no toy commercial that runs today that is trying to convince the parents to buy the toy for their child, unless it's some garbage ass educational leapfrog nonsense <laughs> that the kids aren't going to ever want themselves. <laughs> but it's like, but I thought that was very interesting that like, even though the, the, the Star Wars merchandising machine was already, you know, ramping up at this stage. Um, they hadn't quite figured out the marketing yet of, look, to sell toys, you make the kid want it and the kid will convince the parent to buy the thing. Um, right. But speaking of, um, I think I might have mentioned it before, but this that commercial reminded me on Netflix, there's a series called The Toys That Made Us, um, that each episode is an hour of the history of a very influential toy line. And the episode on the Star Wars toy line is incredibly fascinating. Um how that that those toys um, invented the action figure market as we know it today. Um, and without Star Wars toys, you have no He-Man, you have no Thundercats, you have no Ninja Turtles, um, you have no uh, four-inch GI Joe. It all um, started with Star Wars. Huh? Interesting. Very interesting. Um, and Star Wars was such a big hit um, that for Christmas of '77, after the movie came out. Um, Kenner didn't have the toys ready yet. So they sold this like holiday kit, which was just like a cardboard play set that basically said the figures are in the mail kid. Oh God. <laughs> so you could base parents could basically like pre-order the figures and then get this like cardboard, like death star bridge or something, um, that the figures would then go to. That is very weird. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like something someone would do today. Yeah, they like, like you know sh- ship ship a game only half half made or whatever. Yeah, completely underestimated the demand. This is completely unrelated, but just I have a funny story to tell about like old Star Wars action figures. So I was traveling for work, and I was at the airport, the Philadelphia airport, and I guess there's some toy museum in Philly or yeah. somewhere nearby. Yeah, um, and they had they had. And, you know, sometimes they put stuff in airports to, I guess, people stare at when they're waiting for their plane. Uh, it was like a big, you know, one of those big glass rectangles, you know, display cases that had like all these old, like, you know, first and second generation, mm-hmm. like Kenner Star Wars stuff. And it was, you know, I was obviously interested in it other stuff in there, too, but it was mostly Star Wars. And I was, you know, I'm a nerd, so I'm looking at them just like killing time for my flight. And I'm standing there and this little girl walks up to me, walks up next to me, and she's looking in the display case and she'd maybe like five five six maybe something like that and she's got a little carrying case you know her little suitcase full of her toys and she pulls out i think it was a land speeder hmm. and it was the exact same land speeder that was in the case huh and like these things are worth a lot of money like it was it was saying on the case like some of what the stuff is valued at and she was just sitting there staring. She had put up the land speeder and just staring at it and then staring at the one in the case and then staring back at the one <laughs> in her hand. And her mother walks up and she's just like, well, what a, that's so crazy. We just got these from my brother-in-law, dug them out of the attic. I'm like, uh, you might want to like look up how much those are worth because, uh, they can be worth a lot of money. Yeah. They looked like in decent shape. I thought it was the weirdest situation. She's just like, she's very confused. Like, why is my toy in this display case? Yeah. Why is uh, this garbage toy from my, from my uncle? Yeah. But it was very, very weird. Anyway. Um, so 
all in all, this was a very weird experience. I feel like I checked a, a box in nerd culture that kind of always me- meant to, but just I would not have appreciated this five or ten years ago. I don't think because I've been bored. I think I think now I just like I have the sort of just like the broader context of like how did this ever get made? Like who? Why? Why? Uh, I don't know. Like this was a this was an endurance test for me. <laughs> this was a a honest to god challenge. <laughs> it really was. And like I said that the the wookie noises in this were just they just went right through me. Like at the end when they're at the life day ceremony and all the wookies there's like a chorus of wookies just like making noises. I was just like it like sent chills down my spine. And I don't have a problem with Chewbacca's noises. It's just like whatever weird they like they like feel like they took Chewbacca's noises and put them through weird modulators <laughs> to try and make them sound different. And it just came out sounding really, really bad and grating. So that's something I'm going to avoid for the rest of my life. Yeah, I'm glad I don't have to ever watch this again. <laughs> it really is one of those. I, I'm, I never need to watch this again. But that's the thing is, is that I is that and we've had a good conversation about it. But I like to think that, you know, a lot of bad movies, they're bad in an interesting way or, you know, something like. Jupiter Ascending is bad, but it is something to watch for the sheer audacity of it. Or The Room is incredibly bad from every every technical perspective, but there is an energy about it that makes it um, fun to watch. And Troll 2 has such a strangeness and an energy about it. Um, this has, there is literally no reason to watch this. Even because even when we were going into it, and I said, like, I'm kind of excited to just see, you know, young Mark Hamill again as mm-hmm. as Luke Skywalker. And boy, it sure would be great just to see, you know, Han and Leia interact again. And you don't even get that. It, you really it, is, don't. it is. You don't even get that. It's like there is so little here that is even interesting, like even like a little footnote of, oh, you know, um, well, that's a young Paul Rudd in that suit. Like, there's none of the, the doesn't even have. I don't even think Paul Rudd was like probably two at this point. But like, there doesn't even have that because the people who are in it are, you know, like Art Carney and um, Harvey Corman and like old. They were old in 1978. There, you can see Art Carney's hearing aid in those scenes. You really? I thought it was like a Star Warsy thing, and then I realized it was a hearing aid. Yeah, was like, great. Yeah. <laughs> It's just, it's just bad. It's just boring and poorly done and, oh. So I hope we subjected all of you to it as well. Um, I honestly don't. Like, I'm, I, I feel, I feel, I genuinely feel bad if anyone sat through this, um, just for this podcast. I mean, honestly, you're all grownups. You can walk away from it (laughs) once you've turned it on. It's on YouTube. You didn't pay for it, but. Oh man, that was a difficult two hours for me. Yeah, I actually looked to see if, uh, you know, like on your audiobook or podcast, you can listen at like, you know, one and a half speed. <laughs> I was like, does YouTube have this? But then I realized, like, oh God, those Wookiee noises tuned up a little bit. It's going to be even more <laughs> So, but unfortunately, this didn't really get me in the holiday spirit. So, uh, alas, I'll have to go watch a Christmas movie instead. Um, and I guess our next episode will be our uh, end of the year roundup, right? I guess. Um, I can tell you one movie that certainly won't be on any of my lists. <laughs> uh, most fun viewing experience, Star Wars Holiday Special, best written holiday special. Uh, Cult classic. 
cult classic. Yeah, no. So uh, Karen, so I guess Karen tells me that again, she was Googling the trivia that apparently, um, one of the only copies that George Lucas let into the wild was what he gave to Carrie Fisher. And apparently <laughs> she would put it on at parties when she was ready for everybody to get the hell out. <laughs> she just popped that tape in and clear out the room. Yeah, I was reading you know, just a little bit of that, like of, of asking some of these actors, like, have you seen it? Everyone's like, everyone's like, I never watched it or I, I didn't see the whole thing or why would you bother? Yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of actors don't watch their own movies, let alone something they're embarrassed to be in. Yeah, no, I, I think it would be. Yeah. Well, but we did it, Greg. I'm, we did I'm it. proud of both of us. We did it. We built some character. We, we we made it through this ordeal together. We're stronger for it. I don't want to live on this planet anymore. <laughs> All right, buddy. Talk to you well, next you, week. You have a good uh, a good Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you. Genuinely, I'm sorry. I'm and, sorry. And a happy this a happy Wookiee Life Day. No, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm 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 sorry that this movie became part of your holiday this year. I'll never be able to forget it. It's gonna scar me for life. Oh, I can't wait till I forget it. <laughs> All right, buddy. All right, buddy. See you later. See you.